This program is brought to you by Moving Analytics, the nation's leading telehealth provider of cardiovascular prevention programs. Four out of five patients after a heart attack or surgery do not get access to the life-saving benefits of cardiac rehab. At Moving Analytics, our evidence-based virtual cardiac rehab solution has enabled thousands of patients to overcome access-related barriers and has helped hospitals and health plans triple participation rates and improve their quality of care. Learn more by visiting movinganalytics.com. From the American Association of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehabilitation, it's the AACDPR Pulse Pod, and I'm your host, Tom Draper. Welcome, everyone. I am super excited for today's podcast, and we're shifting it up a little bit, and we're going to have a panel conversation uh, for this episode. So today, I am joined by Karen Edwards, Dr. Todd Brown, and Karen Louie. So welcome, everyone. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Super excited. This is going to be great. Um, Before we get into the conversation, uh, let's have the audience get to know you all a little bit better, you know, a little bit about your day jobs and your roles uh, within AACVPR. So I'll start with Karen Edwards. Thank you. So my name is Karen Edwards, and I am currently the AACVPR Value-Based Care Committee Chair. I also serve on the AACVPR MAC uh, Task Force for MACJF. And I serve on the AACVPR Program Certification Leadership Team. In my day-to-day job, I am the Pulmonary Rehab Coordinator for Pulse Heart Institute at MultiCare Health System in the Pacific Northwest. I'm a clinical exercise physiologist and a registered uh, respiratory therapist. And I just really enjoy taking care of patients and um, trying to really move our programs and staff forward um, in the profession of cardiac and pulmonary rehab. Excellent. Welcome, Karen. Dr. Todd Brown, welcome. Thanks, Tom. And uh, so my name is Todd Brown. I'm a general cardiologist at UAB, which is the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I have an interest in prevention, and I serve as the, uh, currently serve as the medical director for our cardiac rehabilitation program. With ACVPR, I've been um, involved in a bunch of committees, was on the board for a while, and actually served as president a few years ago, right after Tom. And uh, have been involved since then in some of our um, sort of innovative delivery discussions from a, uh, both an advocacy standpoint as well as a, uh, you know, how do we implement this standpoint. So I'm uh, happy to be part of this and uh, looking forward to a great discussion today. Excellent. Karen Louie, I think everyone knows Karen Louie, but Karen, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, an old cardiac rehab nurse by trade and... Um, that was after UW Lacrosse, ran a number of programs, hospital setting, physician office setting. But the last 16 years I've gov- handled government affairs for ACVPR. So dealing with Medicare and yes, my hair has turned gray and with Congress on the needs when we have, when we have a need, we have to go to them, they don't come to us. So. Happy to join this, Tom. Thanks. Absolutely. And also a past president of AACVPR. So um, as you can see, we've created this panel, you know, sort of diverse backgrounds, diverse roles within the organization and in your day jobs, because I think you all bring unique perspectives of what we're going to talk about today. And, and that's a little bit about, you know, that crystal ball. Where do we see cardiac and pulmonary rehab going? Um, probably a little blurry 
right now, but we want to just just talk about and, and and I want you to give some advice and guidance to our memberships of of what they should be thinking about as they look towards the next one year, two years, five years, and beyond. And I think what our audience is going to recognize is there's a lot of things they can do today. Um, they don't have to wait for something to happen to them. So uh, that's really what we want to talk about today. And I'm excited to hear your all's point of view. So I'm going to kick it off. And, you know, like we have talked about um, as we were prepping for this, let's, this, is a, this is an interactive conversation. So as you um, have comments or questions for, um, for one another, uh, I just want to sit back and, and learn and listen like our audience. So, but I am going to start out with Karen Edwards. And, you know, Karen, in, in your role, both in your day job, um, you've been very um, uh, visible about some of the things you've done in your day job, but really your roles within AACBPR, you've talked a lot about um, how you can modernize your programs with tools that we have at our fingertips today. Talk a little bit about that and maybe what programs can do today to utilize some of those tools. Yes, Tom, absolutely. So AACVPR has a lot of tools available for programs um, and staff to utilize to modernize and basically progress your programs. One of the things I really want you to think about during this podcast is don't keep doing something the same way you've done it just because you've always done it that way. Um, our world and our programs and our patients are changing and evolving. And that's something that we really need to keep in the forefront of our mind when we're thinking about how we're running our programs. So some of the tools that are available are the cardiac rehab change package, the, the smoking cessation change package, the pulmonary rehab toolkit, the uh, supervised exercise therapy toolkit. We have numerous turnkeys in four different categories, administration, nutrition, exercise, and behavior. And we have new pulmonary rehab specific turnkeys. In my experience, you know, this phrase turnkeys kind of throws people a little bit. Well, what is a turnkey? What do you do with it? What's, what's the purpose of it? So when you, when you look through um, the turnkeys, they're basically resources. They, they're, they're a little bit technical in nature, with, um, the background and the research, and that's just so, to support um, the ideas um, moving forward. However, there's actually practical application of those in there. And because mostly um, what I do in my day-to-day -day life, um, at least half of it, my job seems to kind of be split different places, um, the way I'm sure most of you feel, but my passion is pulmonary rehabilitation and I've been really involved in creating these new pulmonary rehabilitation turnkeys in uh, collaboration with other members of the value-based care committee, going from referral and enrollment to adherence to reducing COPD readmissions. And some of the things that we really had to think about when we were creating these turnkeys is what, what types of things are actually going to be useful um, to programs. And so I really encourage you to first take a look at your program. A lot of times the things that are going well are also things can be that that can be um, improved upon. It doesn't have to be something that is going wrong. I think that's one of the most common questions I get is I don't really see what's going wrong. I don't see what's wrong. Well, unless we take a look at our programs as a whole, take a look at maybe something's going well, 
but how can you work on making that better? And what are you tracking? Are you looking at your data? Do you even know where some of your gaps might be? Do you know what you're doing well? Do you know what you need to work on? So it really comes down to a, a really you know, stepwise approach of taking a look at your data first and how are you collecting that data? There's a lot of different ways to do that. There's the ACVPR registry, there's um, Excel programs, there's national registries you can be a part of. So when you're taking that and gathering that information, then you have to have a way to look at it. You have to have a way to process it. And then once you look at that, how often are you looking at it? Are you looking at it once a year when the ACVPR sends you that reminder if you're program certified or if you're not program certified, are, 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 are you even being, for lack of a better phrase, forced to take a look at your data? That, that's, that, that's not really helpful. Um, you have to kind of think about what, how, how can I look at things a little bit globally? What am I seeing? And then um, some of it kind of comes down to where, where is your focus going to be? And, you know, in our programs, we've took, taken a look at a lot of different things. I work with an amazing team at Pulse and, you know, we take a look at things like no-show rates and, you know, program sizes and volumes. Of course, there's always staffing in there, but, you know, a lot of the things we're looking at is how, how can we utilize um, all of the things we have under reimbursement, and, and, and that kind of thing. So it, it can get overwhelming, especially with all the data that you're, that you're looking at, but pick out things that, that you're like, okay, what, what do I really want to look forward or, or work towards, right? I really want to work towards being able to have smaller class sizes, but have increased volumes. How do I do that? What kinds of strategies do I have? Go back and look at the turnkeys. Okay. I've got some administration or perhaps even exercise. Okay, how many blood pressures are you taking? Are you checking? Are you getting people off the telemetry monitor into non-monitoring? What types of things are in your everyday workflow that really lead to um, more uh, efficiency to help you achieve your goals? So, you know, there's there, there's so many different things that I think um, that can be looked at, but I, I don't I don't want that factor of how much there is to look at to be overwhelming. That's where you just pick one thing you collaborate with others and then you just go with it because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't <laughs> and that's okay. So Todd, Karen, you know, any specific examples that you have that, that you can share with, with our group about change and, and moving forward with our programs? Well, Karen, just one thought as you're describing the possibilities of turnkey and changes and stepping back and looking at it, the question came in, is your, ask yourself, is your program innovative? What does that mean? Is, it that, is that a scary term? As you just said, you know, that take one, take it in small bites. I guess I would follow that with saying anything in any of those turnkeys or change packages, they're all within the rules. So, it's 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 not that oh we can't do that because right. because that's what I hear is God, we can't have them come more than three days a week oh no we can't have them off the ECG monitor oh you know the old misinformation just yeah, we can't build two charges in one day oh yeah yeah those things so if you look at a change package and you say wow they're not checking a blood pressure on every person every time every day every you know that you have, must can't do that. Well, of course you can, because it's in the change package. 
Right. Yeah. I think that's an excellent thought process. And, and, you know, I think sometimes too, at least, you know, what I've seen is coming, you know, as we're coming, I don't know that we can even use the phrase coming out of COVID. I guess it's the, maybe some of the restrictions of COVID is that um, the, the fatigue that a lot of people feel they, they don't feel like maybe they can be innovative. You know, I know that I've heard that a lot, you know, we're tired. How, how, how can I change? How can I change anything when it just seems sometimes so overwhelming to just even go there? I love my patients. I love taking care of my patients, but man, I'm tired. And, and I think that in and of itself is actually something that we, that, that is innovative. We, because of COVID, we have had to be innovative and, you know, we've even in our own program taken a look at, okay, what has COVID forced us to do? What kinds of things I can tell you, we have done things that we never thought were possible. Some things I like, like, you know, being able to use um, videos on iPads and our website and really developing more virtual education to things where I didn't really want to have to clean a piece of equipment between every single patient. However, it shows that it can be done. (laughs) So it's, you know, um, and that's, and that's really, you know, what we think about change is that it can be done um, and that we have been innovative. I think more than more than we really wanted to be or thought we could be. And so I think if you, you're right, you take a look at those pieces, it, it helps you to, to see kind of what, what you've already done and how can you build on that? How can They're you really to more that? efficient? That's what right. you're but you, there's nothing in a turnkey or change package that makes it less efficient. We've got right. to be more staff efficient, space efficient, time efficient. And you're right, the COVID forced us to step back and be creative and, and have some good solutions to yeah. that in a better place. So Karen, you know, I, was, I know it's a little bit on the spot, but could you give folks an example of something simple that you did in terms of a change? I know a lot of people get overwhelmed that they think that innovation or change has to be really, really big, you know, kind of huge redevelopment of the whole program. But is there something that you did that's simple that maybe can serve as an example to people of what they can do? Yeah, sure, Todd. I I actually just off the two things that just really came to mind. One of one of the things um, that we did with our pulmonary rehab program is traditionally a lot of pulmonary rehab programs are run in groups. All your pulmonary rehab patients come to this time, and it's typically an afternoon time at one or two o'clock, where typically cardiac patients don't particularly want or tend to go to, don't quite understand that, but it is what it is. Um, We decided that we were going to allow our pulmonary rehab patients to come in anytime during the day, which some programs may already be doing that, but typically most programs think they need to come in groups. And and there is some benefit to that. I, I I will say that. But what I've also seen is that I've done pulmonary rehab both ways. And these patients, when they get to collaborate with people outside of a group of everybody's on oxygen or everybody's coughing or everybody is in this group, yes, they can bond, but I've seen bonding happen when they're in a group where there's a couple pulmonary, there's a couple cardiac, there's somebody running and they're over there and their jaw is dropped. They're like, (gasps) I'm like, okay, that person does not have COPD. And they're like, oh, but I want to do that. So it's, it's, it's that difference in allowing patients flexibility 
so that they can have a wider network of people to be with, as well as the flexibility to get someone in your program. You can't put them into a box. So you need to be able to, to and we're seeing people, particularly these post-COVID patients, post-COVID condition patients, where some of them might still be working part-time because they need to support their families and they need that flexibility to get in. So I would say, whether it's a cardiac program, supervised exercise therapy, pulmonary rehab program, Offer as much flexibility in the hours that you offer your program to all of your patients as much as possible. That also goes with making sure that the staff that you have are equally trained, that you don't have pulmonary specific or cardiac specific or supervised exercise therapy specific um, disciplines with your staff so that those patients can come at any time and people can do that. Another thing that that we did that was really simple is um, we started calling our patients same day for no-shows. Um, so if they don't show up, they get a phone call from us. Now, I know that's not necessarily new, um, but something that we did do is to make sure um, we actually got a department uh, cell phone that, or, or in this case, maybe a dedicated line to the staff. Sometimes you've got where it has to go through a call center or it's got to go through scheduling or it's got to go through somebody else. And a patient can have a hard time getting to you. Um, so this really helps with program adherence is being able to have a dedicated number where at least during most office hours, you might be with patients, might go to voicemail sometimes, um, but being able to have a patient have a number to call in to be able to say, hey, I can't come or they can text, um, which was nice about the cell phone. Um, they can also send my chart message. So that's kind of getting a little bit you know, bigger. But the basic is have an easy way for them to contact you to tell you they're not going to come. So you can follow up with that, um, you know, and by calling them and letting them know, hey, we missed you today. That, that was huge in helping to lower our, our no-show rate. And what you're describing, Karen, are all patient-centric strategies. Yep. Every one of them. And we had the exact same experience when we ditched the schedule and went to flexible, flexing, let come at your convenience. Much yes. Experience, easier for the patient. Just, you know, let's put the patient first here, not around lunch hours and our convenience. Right. Right. And, you know, Karen Edwards, I think you mentioned it a couple of times. It's not like these were new concepts that you were the first program in the country to, right. <laughs> but it True. was new to you. And, and that's, and that's what is key is, and that's what all these strategies and the turnkeys and all that, they're really best practices from programs around the country. And yeah. if you just take a look at it and take a step back and, and say, you know, this is something that perhaps we can do here. And, you know, to, to, to Todd's question, it's not like it's earth shattering, groundbreaking. You need six months of lean project management in order to change them. Yeah. Um, but they have a huge impact on our patients, on efficiency, on productivity, you know, whatever the it is. And, and, and so, you know, hearing you talk about these things really, you know, gets me to say even more, we have these resources available. And, and you know, this is Obviously, everything we do is a plug for AACVPR and our cardiac component rehab programs. But the um, reason why we develop these things is because we want our programs to grow and, and uh, to develop. And your team has done a phenomenal job in collating a lot of that stuff and really appreciate you sort of bringing it home to what you've even done in, in your own program. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, you know, I, if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking, hey, you don't have a turnkey on this 
yeah send me it send me an email you exactly. know let me know i mean we're we're maybe there's something that that I, i'm sure there's plenty of different ideas i mean that's what we need we need fresh ideas people seeing something from a different perspective like you said it's not new but maybe it's maybe it's new to you or it is it is new it's something that hey you know we're doing this this can help other people and um i had this thought earlier and I almost lost it so i'm glad it came back to me but i think um the other a downside to to um uh COVID with regards to our programs is the fact that we have been unable to network with one another. We haven't been able to collaborate and share these types of, of ideas in a way that um, we can support one another to make change. I mean, I know that's how a lot of our changes have started is I talked to so-and-so at this meeting or I attended this um, affiliate meeting and they were doing this and, or somebody talked about that. Um, and and that, that's how it starts. It's this one idea. And, and it's, I think it's just participating. In fact, a colleague and I are both on the program certification team and you're, we're reviewing program certifications and there's always that option for best practice. And I was like, man, that's pretty good. I think mm-hmm. our ITP is way too long. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I agree. And, and we're working on it, you know, right. so being involved helps you to be able to have that opportunity to collaborate um, with, with others. Like we are, like we are here and share ideas and, and bring those ideas to, to other people. Cause Todd, like you said, it, it, it is simple. I think if you just think of it in what's one small thing I could do that, that, that we want to work on and, and just do one, one small thing, it, it, it makes a difference and it leads, it leads, it changes your mind. It changes your thought process in how you want to deliver your services to the patients. Like Karen Louie said, you know, it, it really, it, it, we all think, okay, well, I'm a manager or I, I'm a lead or I, I, I take care of patients day to day it's kind of, it doesn't matter what your role is. We all have the opportunity to be innovative and to implement things when we discuss them and we work collaboratively as a team. Hey there, Tom Draper just checking in from the great podcast beyond. Well, this conversation with our cardiopulmonary rehab clairvoyance was so great that we didn't want to hold any part of it back. So we're breaking it up into two episodes. Tune in next week for part two of the Crystal Ball episode, which will also be the finale of season one of the Pulse Pod. Thank you for listening to the Pulse Pod from the American Association of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehabilitation. If you have thoughts or questions about today's episode, I encourage AACPR members to continue the conversation on the Pulse discussion forum. If you like what you hear, and maybe even your host, Please leave a five-star rating and review on one of your preferred podcast platforms and share on social media. To learn more about AACVPR, visit www.aacvpr.org. We'll see you next time on the AACVPR Pulse Pod.